Welcome to the All Things Bama podcast, powered by BamaCentral.com, your Sports Illustrated home for all Crimson Tide athletics. I'm your host, Tyler Martin, and I'm joined by a very special guest here to break down Alabama's week one opponent. Uh, it's it's a Power Mizzou beat writer, Mitchell Forty. Mitchell, how are you doing, my man? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's good to actually be talking football, right? I just feel like over the last weeks, months, ever since March, right, ever since the shutdown, it, it's been everything not about football, right? It's been COVID, it's been whatever, and so I can't believe it's actually here, man, and uh, I, I, you know, I, I, I figure you're as fired up about it, about it as everybody else is. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like you said, it's just, it's nice to, you know, there, there was a time about six weeks ago where we didn't think we'd get to this point, so it's nice to be uh, on the eve of, a, of an actual SEC football weekend. Yeah, it's um, man. It, I just you know I had my doubts. Um, you know I, I I had my doubts, but we're here, and we actually you know we heard from Greg Sankey earlier today on the teleconference. Heard from all the coaches, and it was just it was awesome to hear you know coaches you know from all over the place, right? Mike Leach, you know his goofy self. It was fun to hear about hear fun to hear from him, and fun to just hear you know obviously Coach Saban and Coach Drinkwitz on there as well. Um, it just a normalcy back in our lives, and uh, and we look forward to this matchup where we're going to talk about right now, Alabama and Missouri. Let's start here, Mitchell. Let's start with, you know, what has this offseason been like for Mizzou and, and Coach Drinkwitz? You know, he's coming over from App State. It's really weird, right, for to be a first-year head coach in 2020. Uh, you know, what – I mean, just kind of what's your first, like, I guess, impressions of Coach Drinkwitz and, you know, in the program and the culture he's trying to instill in Columbia? Man, yeah, this offseason's been wild. Um, you know, I definitely don't envy Drinkwitz the position he stepped into. Um, you know, obviously, you know, you go back to November, uh, Missouri fired Barry Odom and, and had kind of a circuitous coaching search. It was a, a little bit uh, hectic, um, landed on Drinkwitz. And kind of since then, it's just it's been almost one thing after another. Um, you know, he, he pe- this has been pretty well forgotten among everything else that's happened, but he inherited some NCAA sanctions. So Mizzou's uh, down four scholarships from the NCAA cap this year. And then, you know, COVID uh, cut short spring practices after they get three practices in, no spring game. Everyone gets sent home for a while. Um, You know, we've had a couple social justice uh, marches and demonstrations here as as a lot of the SEC schools have had. Um, You know, you've got uh, obviously, you had the uncertainty about whether they would play, the schedule getting changed around. So, I mean, it's been wild. Um, I, I I would think Coach Strickwitz has handled it about as well as, as you could imagine. Um, he's, uh, you know, it, it's <laughs> – sorry, it's uh, it's hard to know, you know, obviously, without them playing a game. But but he's, for, for the most part, kept, uh, kept the roster together. The players have said good things about him. And, uh, you know, I mean, it's just it's been hectic. Um, you know, at one point during camp, he said they had five different guys playing left guard in a five practice span. So, you know, they, they haven't been immune from some some COVID quarantines. Um, so it's been a challenge. And uh, Saturday will be another challenge. But, yeah, I mean, you know, certainly, you know, given I, I'm sure he never could have imagined these situations. So given that, I think he's uh, he's done a decent job. Yeah, one thing that really caught my eye, Mitchell, about just Coach Drinkwitz, and I guess maybe the enthusiasm that maybe the casual fan doesn't realize this guy has for Mizzou, right? The new zoo is what he's been calling it. Uh, I remember when when they got uh, Enos Rakestraw, 
who was kind of down to Missouri, Alabama, and then he, he picks Missouri. Uh, and I looked at the depth chart for, for the Tigers, and he's going to be starting over there at the cornerback position. Uh, when The video that went viral of, of Eli, right, he's running around the football facility before COVID and everything is back in February. Um, and you can just kind of tell, like, man, there's there seems to be maybe just like a new energy, uh, just a new something, right, something that's been infused into the Missouri program. And, you know, he just seems kind of like this easygoing, uh, you know, maybe a different style, Obviously, maybe like a Coach Saban or, you know, maybe like a Coach O or somebody like that. But um, he, he's definitely he's definitely a personality for sure. Yeah, I think energy is the right word. You, you mentioned that he is he's definitely non-traditional. Um, you know, he's he's very different than Barry Odom, who was a very much, you know, former linebacker down to business uh, type of coach. Um, yeah, he's he's a salesman. You know, he's he's very personable. He, he uses social media and he knows how to use social media. And, and yeah, that rake straw clip uh, certainly was was, you know, a fun example of that. Yeah. I mean, he's a you know, he's not afraid to to joke around with you or to, to give it back to you in, in press conference situations. And uh, I think I, honestly where it shows up more than anywhere is recruiting. Um, you know, talking to, to some of the guys that, that they have committed or, or some of the coaches in St. Louis and Kansas City, you know, they talk about how he he really gets, you know, he gets social media, he gets the commitment announcements and stuff like that and, and graphics and, and all those edits are really important to kids and he emphasizes that, and, you know, he talks about, you know, he's, he's created kind of this whole social media brand with the the new zoo um so so that's been it's been kind of kind of fun i mean it's it's you know it's different and and it's kind of nice to cover a coach who you know is he's not afraid to speak his mind in press conferences and he's certainly willing to give some some colorful quotes um you know it's not all like fun games i guess i, I don't know if i'd describe him as easygoing he yeah. i don't and I don't think you find a coach, a football coach described as easygoing. Um, you know, he's pretty intense um, and he he's you know, he's not going to obviously, you know, he's not going to let us know who the quarterback is, stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, it's been it's been refreshing. And, you know, I think he he you know, he kind of just adds to the, the cast of characters that was added to the SEC this offseason with Mike Leach and Lane Kiffin. I think uh, I think if we would have had an SEC media days drink, which would have been one of the stars for sure. Oh, yeah, I can definitely agree with that. Maybe easygoing wasn't the best word, uh, but, you know, to kind of get to what's been going on recently in Columbia, you know, there there was that it seems like Mizzou was one of these teams hit most recently with the coronavirus. Um, and it, it appears from his, his press conference, you know, he kind of mentioned that he was getting some more guys back than originally thought who were uh, originally ruled out of this Alabama game. Um, but, you know, you look at it, LSU had a big outbreak earlier in the season when they got guys back on campus. Similar thing with Alabama. And some other schools in around the around the south, um, but you know, was this? I mean, was this kind of like, in terms of maybe the whole campus setting? Was this a big outbreak? You know, in Columbia altogether, or was this kind of like just internal to the football team? What kind of happened? You know, when originally it was twelve guys, and now what is it like five or six who were who are technically ruled out instead of that original twelve? Yeah, so on the football team, it's uh, seven guys who are ruled out due to quarantine as of yesterday. Um, that that didn't take into account. They got tested again. I think they get tested again today, and they get tested again Friday, obviously. But, um, yeah, so what happened was uh, Drinkwitz had told us a week ago that it was 12 players out. And uh, one. it turned out one of the tests uh, was inconclusive. And uh, it was originally treated as a positive. And through contact tracing, that put four other guys out. And so that was retested it found to be negative so those five guys came back in um <clears throat> which just kind of shows you how you know i mean of the i think of the seven players who are positive right now you know I, he said not all seven are sorry of the seven players who are quarantined right now not all seven are positive it might just be you know two or three tests 
So um, yeah, it, it's uh, speaking to the campus as a whole, it's hard to say. Um, Missouri hasn't mandated testing from what I understand for students. The numbers spiked um, for a little while with students returning to campus. I think that wasn't necessarily unique to Missouri, kind of happened everywhere. Um, and, and for a while, uh, it seemed like talking to, to Drinkwitz, you know, he said that their positivity rate was around 3%, I think, for the first month or so of testing. And it kind of spiked a little bit as well uh, once students came back. But um, as of right now, I mean, seven guys in quarantine, I don't think that's an unusual number. I think that's probably pretty much in line for what we're going to see for a, from a lot of teams as they, they take the field for the first time this weekend. Well, it's been weird, right? Like in a normal season, we both would be able to be at practices, you know, seeing these guys up close and personal. And we've now had to rely on the media departments of each school for this. But what do you expect from Missouri offensively, right? Like we go back and look at App State, what Coach Drinkus was able to do there, right? It was, it was you know, RPO a little bit. They were a massive running team. They were really dominant in the running game. And they had Zach Thomas there who was, a, you know, really – I mean, he was a pretty good throw the football, but he was really good with, good with his legs. And you mentioned the quarterback situation uh, on the depth chart. Uh, I saw Sean Robinson, the TCU transfer, and uh, Bayslock were the two guys, you know, going head-to-head there after Taylor Powell transfers out. But but what do you kind of expect from the Tigers offensively on Saturday night? Yeah, honestly, it feels weird to say, but I, I really don't know what to expect. Um, like you said, I haven't, I haven't gotten to watch any fall camp. And uh, without knowing who the quarterback is or having, you know, last year's film to fall back on, there are a lot of unknowns. I think if you could could come come up with one thing to expect is that they will try everything they can to get the running game going. Um, definitely the strength of this offense is its running backs. Larry Roundtree's been a 1,200-yard rusher in the SEC before, and Tyler Beatty's a, kind of a, a really good, you know, third-down type back. A scat back can get him out in open field. He's a good catch uh, receiver. I think he led Mizzou in catches last season. So they'll try to get those guys involved. Um, you mentioned the two quarterbacks. Um, they're listed as co-starters. I think Sean Robinson probably gets the start. He's that TCU transfer. Um, it was an Army All-American coming out of high school, struggled with interceptions a little bit, but uh, got healthy apparently over his year off, and, and we heard good things about him uh, while he was sitting out last season. I wouldn't be shocked if, if you see a little bit of Basilek as well on Saturday. He's a redshirt freshman who uh, started one game but tore his ACL in that game last season at the end of the season, um, but showed good arm strength, although we don't, you know, don't know much more about him other than that. He only attempted like eight passes or something like that. So it'll be interesting. Um, a lot of unknowns. I think the offensive line is definitely the, the weakness right now. As I mentioned earlier, they had some some uh, quarantine issues. They have, they've had a couple injuries, guys out for the season on that O-line. So yeah, I think, uh, you know, I think they're going to try to get the run game going. I think the quarterback will probably be involved in that running game uh, with Sean Robinson there. And I think uh, the, the big question mark will be, can the offensive line create enough room uh, to get that running game established? And then, too, on the outside, right, Damon Hazleton, the, the transfer from Virginia Tech, is a guy that I think Alabama fans need to keep an eye on, too, in the passing game, right? And I'm sure, you know, you, you look at the matchups, um, there's a chance Patrick Sertain, um, Alabama's best cornerback, is, is matched up with him throughout this game. But, you know, do you, what do you – like the wide receiver score? Because it, it appears that the, the top two, Hazleton and another transfer who came in, are, are the two top guys. And it doesn't seem like that. there's been a lot of Mizzou experience right in that position group. 
Yeah, I mean, it was a clear emphasis for this staff as soon as they showed up to upgrade at receiver. They brought in two graduate transfers. You mentioned Damon Hazleton. The other is Kiki Chisholm, who actually came up from a Division II school, Angelo State. And Chisholm's the one who everyone's been raving about during camp. Um, just nothing but good things to say about him. Uh, he's he's apparently more, you know, kind of a possession guy, big body, uh, makes contested catches, and, and they just rave about his work ethic. Hazleton's been interesting. You know, he's... Um, he, he was a big playmaker and a touchdown maker at, at Virginia Tech, but he has not uh, apparently been very healthy during camp. Uh, Drinkwitz said today he had a hamstring issue and, and missed quite a few of practices. He is slated to start uh, on Saturday, so we'll see you know, whether he's rusty. But Missouri could use him being uh, the player he was last season because that receiving core definitely underachieved last year. Um, they they only had I think the the wide receiving core all of the receivers combined to catch six touchdowns on the whole year and and four of those were, were by uh, Jonathan Nance who graduated so they need help there and that they need uh, they need Hazelton to be healthy so we'll uh, we'll get our answer to that on Saturday and then moving over to defense I, we talked about this in the summer we kind of went through and we looked at you know position groups you know all over the place and by the SEC okay we ranked position groups. Uh, which team had the best this, had the best that. And we got to linebackers. And, you know, last year, right, you know, uh, Cale Garrett from Missouri, uh, who was their her big-name linebacker, he tears his ACL and early on in the season misses it. And Nick Bolton really steps up. And I, I think on our side we had, like, Missouri at, like, you know, in that top three position groups because of Nick Bolton in terms of linebackers. Um, he's I said it, he's the best SEC linebacker who played a season ago who's returning this year, right? And so a matchup I'm looking forward to, even though they won't be on the field at the same time, is, right, Dylan Moses – the Mike linebacker for Alabama, and then Nick Bolton, too. You know, defensively, how do you think Missouri's preparing for Alabama? And, you know, does, does it start with Nick Bolton? What's kind of the game plan there? Yeah, the defense definitely starts and ends with Nick Bolton. I mean, he's he's the heart and soul for sure. Um, he took over that role when when Kelly Garrett went out last season. And, and, yeah, he had a great year. And I think, you know, he's got a chance to be a first-round pick uh, if he has another good year this year. Um, he's good in coverage and good against the run. I mean, he, he does everything well. Um, you know, the question really will be, can Missouri handle the skill of Alabama on the edges? Um, you know, you mentioned Ennis Rakestraw earlier, um, that the staff likes him, but starting as a true freshman against those Alabama receivers, that'll be a tough, a tough task. Uh, Missouri lost their two most experienced cornerbacks from last season. So that'll be, uh, that'll be an issue. The pass rush, um, probably a little bit of a question mark wasn't great last season and they lost Jordan Elliott at defensive tackle who didn't have great sack numbers but everyone would tell you you know he was getting double and triple teamed a lot of plays last year and he really opened things up for Kobe Whiteside and the other guys on that defensive line so I think uh yeah I think I mean Nick Bolton is 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 a really good player um but obviously you know you need more than one and, and Missouri's defense actually I think is is going to be solid this season but I think it could be solid this season and still give up some big plays and a lot of points to Alabama just because, you know, if you can't get after the quarterback and you give those guys on the edges time, or the, those receivers time, they're, they're going to get open. You can't cover them forever, especially with the lack of depth Missouri has at cornerback. So what would be, from the, from the Missouri perspective, what would be just, you know, a really good win, a game for them? You know what I'm saying? Like, what, what do they need to do to keep this thing close? Yeah, the thing I've, I've you know, talked about, I don't, I don't see Missouri winning this game, obviously. I, I, I could see a scenario, though, where, um, you know, Alabama, it's, it's been a long, weird offseason. They come out maybe a little sluggish, maybe make a, a mistake or two on offense early on, um, give Missouri a short field, and Missouri keeps it close, you know, 7-6, 10-7, something like that going into half. 
I think eventually that Alabama offense is going to get going. Um, but I think for Missouri, the things you're looking for are, you know, defense to uh, to look like they did last season. Uh, see something promising from the quarterback play because they're both pretty much total unknowns right now. And just, you know, play a clean game, you know, have, have some – some uh, some encouraging signs that that you know the coaching staff made some strides in that area. That was a, a common complaint about a Barry Odom coach team last season. They had a, they had a lot of penalties and, and mental errors at times. So, you know, it's being competitive, um, and, and then those three areas I mentioned. That that's pretty much I think all you can ask for. Yeah, I think too. One of the one of the question marks with Alabama, right? The secondary. They just had a, a JUCO transfer break his arm. Ronald Williams, and you know he's gonna be out for a few weeks. He won't be able to play Saturday. So Alabama, you know, they're starting a true safety um, at the star position um, right there um, at safety. And I, you know, I, I think too, like if Missouri has any success, it, it's gonna have to be with um, those receivers that we you just talked about, Chisholm and then Hazelton, and, and two, right, like. Tyler Beatty, Nick Saban talked about this earlier this week. You know, he affects the game in the special teams area as well. Um, and Larry Roundtree, Alabama, uh, this is not Alabama standards, but they were seventh in the rush rushing defense last year in the SEC. And at Alabama, you know, that's that's not what they think is good enough or the standard there. So I'm curious to see if if the defensive line's getting better because guess what? Tyler Beatty and Larry Roundtree, those are formidable running backs who can attack, you know, what was a weakness of Alabama last season. Yeah, and I mean, like I said earlier, Missouri's offensive game plan is definitely going to run through them. Now, whether or not they can create enough space on the offensive line is the big question. Um, but yes, I mean, if, if they can get Larry Roundtree going, he's the type of running back who, who kind of gets better the more he touches the ball. You know, he's a grind you down, downhill type of runner. And uh, Beatty's the, the, the type of guy who can you know, get the ball in a variety of ways. I mentioned, I think he, he led Missouri in receptions a season ago. So, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, it, it's that's definitely going to be the game plan. Um, I'll be curious to see, you know, Missouri didn't, uh, with Derek Dooley as offensive coordinator, get those two on the field at the same time hardly ever last season. I think that could be something you see this year. Um, I'll be curious to see if they do that. But but yeah, if Missouri is going to score points in this game, is you know it's going to get if it's going to move the ball, I think those two running backs will be uh, the primary reason. And so I I don't know if Alabama covers the twenty eight and a half. I, I I'm not sure if they will. Um, but I mean I do think at the end of the day, I think this is more like a you know thirty eight thirteen type of ball game. What do you, what do you think, Mitchell? Yeah, that sounds about right. I mean, it's there's a ton of unknowns. Obviously, you know, I don't know who which seven players are out for Missouri. I don't know who could be out for Alabama. Um, you know, don't know what really Missouri's going to look like at all. But yeah, I think I think it, that sounds about right. I'd say something along the lines of like forty to 10, 41, 13, 38, 10, I don't know, somewhere around there, right around that four score mark is is probably where we end up. Um, but, you know, certainly when you get in a game like that at that point, it's like it, part of it depends on how long Alabama keeps their foot on the gas. So we'll see. But, yeah, I, I think I certainly see Alabama, you know, pulling away and winning, winning fairly comfortably. And, uh, you know, earlier this week, Saban said zero will be out right now due to COVID. Now, there, there are obviously things could pop up. Things could flare up. This is freaking 2020. Crazy things have happened this year. Yeah. So uh, as of now, it is zero. And the only exception is Ronald Williams with a broken arm. Uh, but, but we'll see. That remains to be seen. And then lastly, Mitchell. What would what would be considered a successful season for Missouri uh, coming out of this game, right? Because you get Alabama and LSU added to the ten game conference schedule, and I, I'm sure maybe you know fans were probably pretty pissed off about that, right? Like this is not doing any favors to Eli Drinkwitz at all, and you know welcome to the SEC, man. But 
you know, what's kind of, what, what would Missouri fans say, hey, you know what, this is, this is an outing against Alabama or this is a, you know, effort we can give all season long that we can be pleased with? Yeah, fans were not thrilled with the, uh, the the schedule change for sure, getting Alabama and LSU added on. Um, you know, I'm sure there's going to be fans out there who are going to, who, who will be upset if this team wins something like three games. But I think for most people, success will actually be a little less independent of record and more just how competitive does the team look? I mean, I think this team could go three and seven and not have a bad loss by any means. Um, they might only be favored in two games this year. And I, I but, you know, it, it, there's a big difference between, you know, going two and eight and, and beating Arkansas and Vanderbilt and getting blown out by like Kentucky or Mississippi State or South Carolina versus, you know, taking some of those games down to the wire, or finding one or two to win um, and, and stuff like that. And, and you know, you know, things I talked about earlier, having having a quarterback that inspires optimism for the future, you know, cleaning up some of the penalties, um, stuff like that. So I think that probably has more to do with the uh, with the optimism level than just the raw win total. Um, I, I don't see, you know, I think three or four wins is probably the, the most realistic numbers for this team this year. So, yeah, I think um, I think I think at the end of the day, it's just just kind of giving yourself something to build off of, because I think most fans recognize that this is, you know, a very, very unusual circumstance for a new coach, new offense, new starting quarterback to have to play, you know, obviously a 10 game SEC schedule. Yeah, and I guess one of the good things you mentioned with Missouri's schedule is you do get Arkansas, you do get Vanderbilt, two teams that that I've been on here talking about. I think they're both going to go 0 and 10, um, which sucks that the SEC is going to have two 0 and 10 teams. But that tells you, you know, kind of where the discrepancies lie with the top of the conference, the middle, and then obviously the bottom. Um, and then that third win, I guess, you know, maybe South Carolina, depending on, you know, what's going on with the Gamecocks there. But yeah, I think three wins too, just from an outsider's perspective. I'm like, three wins is not a bad. Uh, year, especially in an SEC-only conference schedule. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. No, like I said, I think if if they were to play every team in the conference right now on a neutral side, they'd be favored over Arkansas and Vanderbilt, and that's it. Yeah, and uh, then, you know, games like South Carolina, maybe Mississippi State, you're, you're looking at sort of a toss-up. But, uh, yeah, outside of that, I mean, they're probably a, about a touchdown underdog to everyone else. So, yeah, I mean, it's just – it's brutal. I think, yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those things that, you know, some Missouri fans maybe playing in the SEC East every year forgot how good this conference is, and, uh, and then this is a little bit of a rude awakening. Well, as we close up here, Mitchell, you know, there's six other games going on on Saturday, too. So I kind of want to just throw some games at you and we can both kind of give, you know, a winner. Right. Um, the 11 o'clock games, man. Uh, you know, it's really great. 11 o'clock games, in my opinion, this week. We got Kentucky traveling to Auburn, a battle of two top 25 teams. Who do you think you think Kentucky um, can, can go into Jordan Hare and get an upset win? Or you think Auburn's going to pull that out? I like Kentucky this year, but I'm I'm taking Auburn in that one just because I, my my philosophy going into this this first weekend is is with there's so many unknowns, just go follow the talent or stick with the talent for now. And I think Auburn's probably a little bit more talented team, so uh, I I do like Kentucky this season though. Uh, yeah, I, I like Kentucky. They've got one of the most underrated offensive lines in this league. Uh, I will go with Auburn though. I think Kentucky keeps it very close, even though Auburn they've missed they missed like a whole week of fall camp because of COVID. Right. Uh, there was a lot of issues going on there, but but I do think you know even with a twenty thousand fan stadium uh, or twenty fan twenty thousand fan ca capacity, right? Like they've only got students in there, which I think is interesting. Um, you know, those are the fans you want in there that are going to build the environment, that are going to create you know some kind of sort of atmosphere. Then we got Florida and Ole Miss, another game kicking off at eleven. Uh, you know, do you think the Gators? You think they kind of pull away with this one in Lane Kiffin's debut, uh, or do you think the the, the Rebels kind of give Florida a run for their money? 
I do. I think Ole Miss can score. Um, they should be able to at least. Uh, I was really, you know, I was impressed with uh, John Rice Plumley when he came up to, to Columbia last season. Um, but yeah, I think I think you know, similar situation to Missouri. New coach, you know, implementing a new scheme in this crazy off season. I think. Probably, you know, there's going to be just some natural growing pains, some mistakes. And, and you know, Florida's an experienced enough team to take advantage of those. Um, I, I'm going to Florida. And then the 2.30 game, man, on CBS, the, all eyes will be on. I'll probably be catch, catching a little bit of that before Alabama-Missouri kicks off. And that's Mississippi State-LSU. The defending champs are, are, you know, starting their title reign. And you look at the line on this game. I mean, LSU's a 17-point favorite over Mike Leach and company. That number seems incredibly high to me, Mitchell. Where are you, do you think, you know, Mike Leach, we can kind of see where this air raid offense is going to be in the SEC and the kind of success, maybe against the LSU team that lost 14 contributors from a season ago? Or do you think LSU comes out and says, hey, you know what, we're trying to prove last year wasn't just lightning in a bottle? Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the line because I was going to bring that up too. Uh, I think LSU probably wins this game, but I think it's way closer than, than 17. I think, I mean, I, I have faith in Mike Leach that he can draw up an offense that's going to score points. Um, I think LSU will probably score a lot of points too. It'll probably be a shootout. And, you know, at the end of the day, I'm sure, you know, like I said, LSU is more talented and, and, and that's going to help. And, you know, there's probably, I'm establishing both, you know, new schemes on the offensive and defensive side of the ball for Mississippi State. There's going to be some mistakes but LSU's got a ton of, you know, they've had to deal with a ton of turmoil this offseason as well. Um, a ton of new pieces. That I don't think, you know, they're necessarily guaranteed to play a clean game either. This feels to me like a 6-10 to 10 point game and not a 16-17 point game. But uh, I'll still take LSU to win. Yeah, I'll take LSU to win too. But, you know, I think, I think sometimes when you're looking at a number like that, it's like, oh man, like there's no way. And then, you know, someone plays Mississippi State and it's like, holy crap, like LSU wins by 24. You're like, okay, no wonder. No wonder they were 17-point favorites. But I'll take LSU as well. We're kind of going with the – well, Florida was the away team. But, you know, home team's kind of keeping that trend up, winning opening weekend. And then, too, you know, Vanderbilt, Texas A&M. I don't think much needs to be said there. Uh, Jimbo Fisher, Kellen Mond, you know, the most returning starters in the SEC. Uh, kind of a blowout there, too. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. I think that's uh, that's a pretty easy win for, for A&M. Um, and then I, I think the let's see Alabama Missouri and then the the one of the oh, okay Georgia Arkansas another game that is going to be uh, a blowout right I mean we don't know, really know about Georgia's um, offensive offense right now we don't know about the quarterback is it Dewan Mathis is it J T Daniels but we do know their defense is going to be legit um, and they always are going to be um, and I'm, I'm poor Sam Pittman right like poor yeah. poor Sam Pittman you know the t- of course the Hunter Yurichek, the AD there, they have the hardest schedule in the history of college football, and it starts with Georgia. But, yeah, Georgia's definitely getting another big win on the road there. Yeah, I would agree. I think I mean, Arkansas, they're just they're a long way away from, from assembling enough talent to compete at this point. And then lastly, I, I think another intriguing game here, and maybe the most intriguing game of the weekend, two coaches. Um, this is a hot seat kind of game, right? Tennessee, South Carolina, year three for Jeremy Pruitt, and you're kind of sensing that's the end of an era in Columbia for Will Muschamp. And you know, these are two teams that you're you're well acquainted with. They play Missouri every single year. Um, who, what do you think happens in this matchup, the, the Saturday, SEC Saturday night primetime game? Yeah, it's a good, I think this is definitely the most you know close game probably in, in the league this weekend. Uh, I don't know if most compelling just because, you know, like neither team is, you know, 
necessarily contending for a, for a division title or anything like that. But I, I don't know. I, I'm sticking with Tennessee, but I would not be surprised at all if South Carolina pulls this out. I think, you know, there's definitely a, a there's been a lot of people talking about Will Muschamp being on the hot seat, like you said, and I could see that team coming out, you know, fired up to, to send a message about that. Um, but I, I liked what I saw from Tennessee down the stretch last season. I really did. Um, you know, I, I think I think their defense is solid. I think their you know I think their offense is, is adding a lot of skill. What's the that running back's name? Gray or uh, I forget his name, but he uh, he looked great at the end of last season. And uh, and and yeah, I think you know I think I, I don't have enough faith in South Carolina's offense. I don't think quite to hang in there. So uh, I'm picking Tennessee, but I would not be surprised if South Carolina pulled that out. Yeah, I've got uh, Tennessee as well in this one. I think, man, like Jeremy Pruitt's talking about getting over a hump, and and you want to get over a hump, man, you got to beat South Carolina, right? Like, especially when Williams Bryce isn't at full capacity, um, the atmosphere might not be there, and you have one of the best offensive lines in the SEC right there with Alabama, right there with Kentucky. Um, you got to win this game, right? You got you got to build off that recruiting momentum we saw during COVID, and I think it happens. I think their defense is going to be better, and Jared Garantano, they've got experience at the quarterback position, so Tennessee beating South Carolina. Uh, in week one in the SEC. Well, there you have it. This has been, you know, an, a great, a great talk, Mitchell. I appreciate you coming on here, man. And uh, where can people find your work? Uh, you know, if they want to follow along, you know, what's going on with Missouri after this, or, or you know, leading up to the game. Uh, where, where can we find all your work at? Yeah, for sure. Uh, PowerMizzou.com is the name of the website. That's all one word. Uh, M-I-Z-Z-O-U for Mizzou. It's a part of the Rivals Network, so you can go to Missouri.Rivals.com and find our stuff. I'm on Twitter um, at Mitchell4D. Uh, it's the number four and the letter D at the end of the handle there. So, uh, yeah, I appreciate you having me and uh, excited to, to watch a real football game this weekend. It's going to be a lot of fun, man. And uh, it's that it hasn't felt right. College football hasn't felt right until this Saturday when the SEC returns. So it's going to be a lot of fun. And I appreciate it again, Mitchell. For Mitchell, for Tyler Martin, this has been the All Things Abama Podcast.